get a phone call from Executive Fox. I'm like, okay, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, so I have this question for you. Do you think that the Predator self-destruct is nuclear? And I'm like, well, really? They don't really address it in any canon source, but it kind of looks like a mushroom cloud, right? And he's like, yeah, it does. But like, so it's kind of cool if it's nuclear, like if it's like a small contained nuclear blast, right? But it like, it only affects a very small area. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, let's do that. And he's like, okay, good. And I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Isn't that something? Few things get me more excited than meeting somebody who has a passion for something, and it can be anything. In this case, Andrew and I have a lot of shared passions. It's pretty incredible what Andrew has done. He's been involved with some of my favorite franchises from Terminator to Planet of the Apes, Alien. He helped create one of my favorite new RPGs, Alien from Free League. We talk about how he got involved with all of this. We dive in and learn what it means to be charged with putting together the canon Bible for a franchise his work in the video game industry, and we finish off talking about how the Alien RPG came to be, his approach to creating some incredible scenarios for the game. And we finish off talking about Carbon Gray. It's a game that's currently up on Kickstarter by the time this is released. His excitement for this new game can be best described as unbridled. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my time with Andrew. Third Floor Wars delivers interviews, insights, and discussions about everything hitting the tabletop. Rule books, plastic models, dice, and cards in hand. Let the gaming begin. Tabletop games let you escape and unleash grand battles and regale epic tales of adventure with your friends. If you love gaming and learning from players, designers, experts, and creators, you are in the right place. Pull up a chair. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk Podcast. Howdy friends, Craig here. Today we're talking to any award-winning author, designer, editor, franchise consultant, and founder of Blam, Andrew E.C. Gaska. It is impossible to list everything Andrew has touched or created. He is the lead setting writer for the Alien RPG from Free League, and everybody who listens knows what a fan I am of the game as well as everything that Free League seems to put out. But that only scratches the surface. Andrew oversees and maintains the canon Bibles for Alien, Predator, and Planet of the Apes. He consulted on the game on the game's Grand Theft Auto as, as well as Red Dead Redemption. The list of comics and books he's created is very, very long. He's got a Kickstarter that is out as of the time of this recording, and hopefully when you're listening to it, called Carbon Gray, the role-playing game in Omnibus. We're going to talk about all of those things, but first I need to welcome you to the third floor, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me here. This is great. So, Andrew, you unfortunately have to get kind of the standard question, which is a long time ago, you had no idea that uh, games were played on the table, that people picked up sheets of paper, pretended to be other people and rolled dice. And then suddenly it was presented to you. So I'm wondering if we can go back to when you first encountered tabletop gaming. Sure. Um, My first encounter of it was uh, ironically. um, So one of the writers on Carbon Gray, uh, Kim Perone, is a friend of mine since childhood. Oh, Um, wow. And uh, she's a romance writer. When I found out that she was a writer, I asked her if she was interested, and we found a way to make her stuff work with it. So um, the funny thing is, is that my first real introduction to it was just seeing the Dungeons & Dragons blue expert box 
sitting on her shelf every time I would go over her house. So <laughs> she was she's a few years older than me. Uh-huh. Like that was grown up stuff, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um so yeah, that was my first but then but then I started to see everyone the cool nerds in school were playing. Okay, and I was a not cool nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I love the nerd tears, Andrew. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's tears in everything, man. This is definitely the way it is. Um, So, so, yeah, so I was a not cool nerd, and so I begged my mom, can can you buy me the Dungeons and Dragons thing for Christmas? And so she bought me the red box. And by that point, like, Kim's expert box was the old original art, and mine was when uh, Larry Elmore started doing the art. Yeah. Yeah. So I got that red box. I was so excited, and I, you know, my mom worked in an office. She was able to photocopy the character sheet for me, and I got all excited. I got it all together, and I begged the cool nerds to let me come over and play. And uh, I come over, and I'm so excited. I hand them the sheet, and they look at this, and they look at it, and they're like, "We're playing advanced Dungeons and Dragons." <laughs> I can see the I can see the glasses getting pushed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, there's a difference. So they sighed and they wrote, they scribbled some notes on my sheet and they're like, all right. So I was like, so what are we doing there? It's like, well, we're already in an adventure. So you're just with us now. I'm like, okay, where are we going? This place called the temple of elemental evil. Nice. I'm, a first, I'm a first level basic D and D character who never played before. And it throwing me in the temple of elemental. Evil. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so they, they want to piss each other off at the table. Um, about like stuff from school and things like that, and you know insults and everything. So the characters they use their characters to like get back at each other. So they started like trying to kill each other. Nice. So at, at the end of this, at the end of this session, this confused first level player uh, character is the only survivor in the Temple of Elemental Evil <laughs> because of negotiation skills. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a thief, so I just put my hood on and, you know, back oh, in the corner. Um, so I, I, I told the GM, I said, listen, I really, I was, I, I didn't, you know, character, I made this character with my heart, and I wasn't thinking that, you know, I'll just make a new one. It's like, I need to get this character out of here. So I played with that GM separately once, where he had me find a portal and put me back into, like, the Keep of the Borderlands or something like that, you know, the more more basic D&D stuff. Right. And, um after that, I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather game master this than play mm-hmm. it. And uh, for 23 years, 22 years, 22 or 23 years, somewhere in there, I uh, I was a, a GM instead. So, so obviously D&D was, was the first hook. Um, do you have a sense now as an adult, Andrew, looking back, like how, how did it get its hooks into you? What was it that just captured you and kept you enthralled with it for so many years? It probably goes back to when I was playing with Star Wars figures, honestly, um, because I had this really weird way of playing. People would come over, and I would I would pretty much game master what we were playing. Right. Like, so, so if three kids came over with Luke Skywalker figures, it's like this, I was thinking canon back then as well, too. I'd be like, okay, so the, the Empire has cloned Luke. There's three of them, and no one knows which one is really Luke. And that's going to be what we're playing this time. You know, and it was little stupid things like that. And then when I heard about this this role playing thing, it didn't make sense to me why there'd be dice and no board. But then I started to hear it. I'm like, this kind of reminds me of what I have done with toys all along. So it, it just seemed like a natural fit. Um, and the the uh, the events, I, I I was very much into action figures, and I still am. I have huge action figure collections. But the uh, 
LJN Advanced Dungeons and Dragons action figure line really helped as well. Oh, that's cool. So when was your first non-D&D game? So when did you kind of branch out? Do you remember? Yeah, um, I think it was 84 was D&D, and then in 85 was the phase of Star Trek. Oh, nice. It was, it, I immediately went into that because I was a huge Star Trek fan. And um, a few years after that was Battletech. Oh, okay. So, um, and then right after Battletech, actually, no, actually, it was that same year. It was phase of Star Trek led me to Battletech. And then, and then two years after that was the Star Wars from Western Games, which changed my life. Oh, it's such an amazing game. And what's, what's funny, Andrew, is as I've now done uh, over I don't know, over 40 of these interviews now with creators and that West End Star Wars game comes up over and over again. Um, it's just being monumental. It's, it's the thing of beauty. And I mean, that's why I wanted to, you know, tap it for Carbon Gray, but that's, we'll, we'll get that later, I guess. <laughs> um, so in the origin stories that I hear, Andrew, there tends to be a period of time where uh, we put down the tabletop games. We take a break um, for whatever reason, whether it be for six months or six years or, you know, 20 years like I did. Um, did that happen with you or did you, did you consistently game through, throughout your life? No, I, ga- I gamed for about 23 years and then I just stopped. Um, my, my, my best friend who, th- I, my gaming history is a little weird too because I would say at least half of my years of gaming was one-on-one games. Oh yeah! Wow. And, um, my my friend in high school, um, uh, Jason. He his parents split up, um, and his mother moved back to Australia, and his dad moved to the Midwest. I, we lived in New York, and my parents took him in, like uh, became his legal guardian, so that he could finish school in New York and go to school of visual arts with me. So wow. he became like my became my brother, pretty much. Yeah. And so we we always played Star Wars. Um, and we had, I had given up on D&D at that point, but then an anime came out called Record of the Lotus War, and that just made him and I look at each other because we were huge anime fans, and we were like, all right, break out the D&D. <laughs> and, uh, and ironically, I actually I totally forgot about this, our D&D campaign, there's a terrible, 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 terrible comic book out there that you may find in some back issue bin called Realm Wars. That is the first comic that I ever put out. It was in 93, I think. Uh, okay. And it is, it is like the beginning of our, our D&D game campaign as a comic book. No kidding. Yep, yep. I totally forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like you're real proud of it the way you sold it. <laughs> it it's awful. It's awful. The only thing that's good about it is that, um, I don't know if you know the artist George Pratt. Oh, um, yeah. I got him to do the cover. Oh, geez. So, oh, well, that's legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was really lucky with because I went to the School of Visual Arts uh, yeah. in Manhattan, and <clears throat> I was really there at the right time because my instructors were amazing. I had um, my portfolio teacher was Joe Orlando uh, of Mad Magazine fame, um, and he also created House of Mystery. And uh, yeah. yep. Um, Denny O'Neill was my writing teacher. Um, Carmine Infantino was my layout teacher. Unbelievable. Uh, and Walt Simonson was my graphic novel teacher. That's incredible. And I had Class Johnson for inking. Class Johnson. For Class <laughs> Johnson. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was crazy, crazy. And, oh yeah. And then when when Denny when Denny couldn't make it to class, John Ostrander was his stand-in. So that's the that was the backup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all star cast, and that's you, know, a, you didn't I didn't even realize what it was at the time. Yeah. You know. Um, 
it's just it's funny because when going into Carmine's class, I'm sitting there and he's I'm like, that name seems familiar. I don't know. Where have I heard that before? And he's like, perhaps you've heard of me. I'm Carmine Infantino. I created a couple of little characters called The Flesh and Becker. Also, I drew, I drew a little comic in the 70 called Star Wars. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. That's a pretty good impression, Andrew. Oh, well, thank you. I, I wound up becoming good friends with Carmine. And, uh, oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, I know him for many years after that. Um, yeah, and I got lucky too because Denny, Denny was became my mentor. Um, when my parents couldn't afford to send me to college anymore, and I was embarrassed that I wasn't going to be in his class next semester, um, you know, I told him, "I don't, hey, I don't want you to think I'm just ditching your class. You know, come back." And he's like, "Oh, that's unacceptable." I'm like, "Okay," and he, he he's like, he's like, um, what he said? He said he he said, "Well, look, I'm just going to tutor you. We're going to go out to lunch every two weeks and blah blah blah." I'm like, Denny, I can't. I don't have any money for that. He's like, no, I'm taking you out on DC Comics uh, credit card for lunch, and we're gonna awesome. we're gonna put together a script, a Catwoman script, to put in the drawer for you. So, oh, that's so cool. It, it, it was very cool. That script, I, I did the script. It never got used. It sat in the drawer forever, and then you know they burned the drawer. But but um, then he gave me then he gave me then he made me realize I I needed to be a writer and not an artist because I went to school to be an artist, and <clears throat> in high school I was. Like the best, and so was Jason, my my, my bud. Um, and we went to we went to a school where everybody there had been the best in their high schools. Interesting. So now you may have been the best, but you're the worst of the best. <laughs> yep. So um, uh, the, the you know the joke. Uh, uh, what did you win? Oh, I got a silver medal. So you lost. You came in second. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, that's a pretty good college <laughs> yeah, yeah no 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 it, it, it's great so i had a crisis of faith and i i was like i can't i don't see what i see in my head does not come out on the paper when, when i my hand so i'm like but but denny was like no this is where your talent is and uh it made me shift in that direction so i um you know great guys to learn from i i'm still friends with walt um uh, unfortunately, Joe and Carmine and Denny have all passed. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I was at that school at the right time. Oh, that's neat. I, um, I'm amazed at the names that are rattled off. So we had uh, Dennis Detwiller on the show um, from Delta Green um, fame, and he went there too, um, and had some very similar stories. Um, and just the all-star uh, faculty that uh, was involved there just just absolutely blows my mind. Um, and that's neat that you were able to, uh, to forge some friendships that continued on beyond that. That's, uh, that's very cool. I don't think these things happen anymore. Like where do, where, where, where do you just randomly get taught by a legend at a school? You know, I don't think it works that way anymore. So it's, it... I, I don't disagree with you. Um, it, um, it was a special time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I um, and I try not to be grognardy about it, like old man about it, like you know, in my day, you know. But it's kind of hard not to sometimes. <laughs> and comics was completely different. Yeah, back then it was it was like, I mean, Denny got his chance because um, they were like, eh, we're gonna cancel Green Lantern anyway. Just put the kid on, see what he does. It goes for a couple months, we just cancel it. They don't do that anymore. So you know, um. Comics is a brutal, brutal market. Um, gaming is a lot more friendly. It's a lot more open to to somebody new coming onto this. 
Yeah, and and I've only learned that because I mean, honestly, Alien was my first foray into professional gaming. Well, a hell of a good start, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. So, guys, the Insider Insight series is my opportunity to sit down with designers, developers, artists, writers, and creators and learn how they approach their work. I try and understand their process, inspiration, and methods for crafting their creations. And that's what we're going to do with Andrew today. We're going to start off by putting gaming on the back burner a little bit as we find out um uh, was a lot of work was being done by Andrew before then. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk about his writing, his comics, and the company Blam. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian. I started listening to Third Floor Wars for information and insight about my favorite miniatures game, Malifaux. But I also get great interviews with game writers, designers, and artists, as well as some fantastic role-playing sessions with some really great players. I've been supporting them on Patreon for a year and a half so far, and it has been well worth it. Right now is the part of many podcasts where someone comes on, interrupts the show, and explains that you should consider paying for the content you're already getting for free. They'll go on and explain that by giving a dollar or more a month, you not only support the show, but you allow the show to grow and improve. Here on the third floor, we commit to not interrupting your episode of Tabletop Talk with such a plea. We pledge not to run a spot asking you to go to patreon.com and give a dollar or more a month. Even if there's a link in this show's description, and there is, we won't ask you to click it and become a patron. We won't spend time yammering about the benefits like early access to episodes, getting those episodes without ad breaks, or even getting a chance to play in one of Craig's RPG sessions. Anyway, enjoy this episode. We needed to clarify that we wouldn't do this type of solicitation. Time to give a quick shout out to our most recent patrons. A big thanks goes out to John Mahoney, Philip Masca, Joshua Edwards, Clay Pierce, Peter Sojanek, King Salt Nathan, Jimmy CZ, Wayne Peacock, Oliver Borden, Zachary Wills, Jay Douglas Nielsen, Patrick Healy, Ham Dog, Greg Packman, Eric Conrad, Alan Cardinal, Raven Zato, and Philip Savoy. Because of you and the 100 other plus patrons, I'm able to put out content on a regular basis. We appreciate you. So, Andrew, um, we kind of tiptoed into it, but, you know, it sounds like, you know, coming out of college and, you know, young adult, you, you realized writing was your gig, um, that writing maybe be, maybe where your uh, forte is. Um, what's next then, um, as a young adult at that point? I actually, so I, I, I said before I had to drop out of college. Right. Uh, and I wound up becoming a pharmacy technician. <laughs> and so I'm working for CVS drugstores and five years as a pharmacy technician. And suddenly I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> There's nothing that I want to do in my life. Um, so I, took out a whole bunch of loans and went back to finish school by myself uh, without any financial support. And um, what do you call it? You get out of school and then it's like, okay, what now? Now what? You know, there's no jobs waiting for you. It it doesn't work that way. Um, And um, I actually, I actually screwed up an interview that Denny got me with DC. Um, I, I, so embarrassing. (laughs) 
So Brian Augustine, I've talked to Brian about this last year um, after Denny died. We, we, we did a, a, a special at Dragon Con uh, at home uh, on Denny, and we wound up talking about this on, online. But Brian Augustine had, was in charge of Justice League, and he was trying to get a new assistant that was going to basically... Uh, what he didn't, they didn't tell him was that this assistant was going to be groomed to take his place because Brian was leaving. Got it. Okay. So this person was going to be in charge of Justice League. So uh, to hear Brian tell it, um, Denny, Denny um, swoops into Brian's office and puts a piece of paper on the top of the resume le- list uh, pile and then leaves. And so they're like, what the hell is this about? So they immediately called me. Uh, I was like, uh, so yeah, Denny, Denny left his office, which he never does. And, and he put this on the desk. So, <laughs> you want to come in for an interview? I was like, yeah, of course. So I go in and I'm like, I get there and I'm totally intimidated. And yeah. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this job. No way in a million years. So I, my girlfriend at the time had just had a similar situation with some job that she'd gone to that she realized she wasn't qualified for. So she, her solution was to just, eh, yeah, I can do that. I can do whatever, whatever you need. Because she didn't think she was going to get it and she got the job. So I'm like, all right, I'm just not going to care. I'm just going to do whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. They say to me, and, 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 and honestly, this part of it, that was smart. Um, it could have backfired, but that part didn't. It was something later that backfired. Um, Brian said to me, so what would you do to fix the justice? Because, Whoa. you know, the sales really aren't as great as we'd like. I said, you want me to be completely honest? Who the hell is fire? Who the hell is ice and blood wind? Get these losers out of the Justice League. Put Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman back there. Everyone wants to see it. And I'm expected to be, like, kicked out of the office. And he smiles because that is exactly what they were planning to do. Like, six months later is when they relaunched Justice League with the original characters back then. Interesting. Yeah. So, so he's like, I like the way you think. And we're talking, and then he's like, he's like, let me show you where your office is going to be. I'm like, oh, my God. Am I getting this job? Um, <laughs> no. Um, so basically it comes down to, um, so we're, 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 we're using compute more and more computers in the office nowadays. So just curious, which computer do you like to use Mac or PC? I'm like, to be honest, I don't even have a computer. I'm not really into them. <laughs> Dumbest thing ever. And they're like, oh, oh bad. <laughs> Yeah, because in my head, I, I, the computers used to freak me out. I, it's so funny because everything I've done with my career has been computer-based. That's so amazing. Um, but they used to freak me out because they'd be like, when you save a file, how do you know it's it? Where did it go? You don't know where it is. <laughs> how do I know it didn't lose it? And I think this, this irrational fear came from a word processor that I had that used to dump my stories when I hit save. So, <laughs> scarred. Yeah, yeah, so I was scarred for life. Um, and so... They sat me down from the computer and they're like, uh, you just, yeah, well, you know, do you, you know Mac at all? And like, oh, I was like, a friend has Mac. I think I know how to use it. And I totally embarrassed myself with the computer. And they had one more interview after me. And Brian called me three months later and told me, listen, we don't call people when we don't hire them. But I'm calling you and I'm letting you know. Um, it was down to you and the guy who came in after you. And, uh, and we gave it to that guy. And I said, oh, yep, thanks for calling. Let me know. Can you tell me what I did wrong? And he says, that guy knew computers and you did. Damn. So I went out and bought a computer. Isn't that something? 
Yeah. Uh, it led to, you know, my work for Rockstar Games and everything else. And now, I mean, who, I, 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 it did, I, did, I could not fathom that it, computers would be that important, yeah. you know, but now it seems like derp, of course, you know. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Andrew, I remember that too. Like, I remember um, I was an early adopter because uh, I was uh, a different lower level of geek than you were. Um, but it, I mean, it was an it was novelty. I don't think it was until I don't think it was for me until the the early nineties before I really started going. You know what? Like, holy shit! Like, you really can start doing stuff with this. Um, and I think it's I think it was seeing the beginning of the internet that made me realize what a big deal it was. Um, and, you know, if we look back on things, that really was the big deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm a late bloomer in this, though, because for me, what we're talking about right now is 94, 95. Jeez, get your so, shit together, Andrew. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> that's, when that, that's when that crap was going down, 94, wow. 95. No kidding, no kidding. So, um, so you don't get the job at DC. Um, you've now got some nice college debt. Um, so I had made a lot of friends in the um, what was the photocopy lab and later became the computer lab at the School of Visual Arts because I would camp out there overnight to do finish my work and stuff like that. So they offered me a job. So I graduated from school and started working in the photocopy center as the weekend manager, which eventually became uh, the weekend manager of the entire graphic design lab, which involved computers and everything. Yeah. I was there for like 18 years on the weekends. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so. It, I did that on weekends and I drove limos during the week. No shit. Uh, and uh, the limo job was killing me. Um, they were working me around the clock. So there'd be like an hour of sleep between jobs. And I started falling asleep while I was driving. Yeah. Um, so I asked my boss at the school, is there any way he can put me on full time? He's like, no, but do you know Photoshop? And I'm like, it's on the computer upstairs. And I messed around with it a little bit. I kind of taught myself i guess and he's like oh okay because there's all this work for uh video game stuff that i don't want to do anymore and um, so i'll give it to you and these other six guys and i was terrified by it and this was this was rockstar games this was the year 2000 um working on a little game called gta 3 unbelievable yeah <laughs> so it's um Actually, let me, the how I how the only reason I knew Photoshop at all because it was on that computer and I just didn't use it originally at, at that lab. My cousin had dressed up as Darth Maul for Phantom Menace, and he had a photo of him with this girl he likes. And he's like, "Can you make her green like a Twilight? And can you make my lightsaber glow?" And I'm like, "I think we have software that does that. Let me try. What does this do? Ah, what does that do?" And that's how I that's how I learned Photoshop. And Isn't that something? Yeah, just because of nonsense. <laughs> Everything's because of nonsense. So the GTA 3 is, um, comes and goes. Um, you're now an expert at Photoshop, apparently. Um, where, at this point, do you have a sense? I mean, is there, is, do you have a sale up at this point, Andrew? Um, or are you just kind of floating around at this point? Do you have a sense of direction? The, the, the video game stuff, they wind, up, they wind up firing the other six guys because they really liked the way I did it, which was baffled my mind. Yeah. But apparently everyone else's stuff looked too polished. Is what Interesting. So I, they want to, GTA 3 comes out, super success. They like decide they're going to give me all their accounts. So 
I create a studio called Blam Ventures um, that, and I train my friends to do the work like I do. I do the finishing touches on it all. And we basically have an assembly line thing built. Um, and I'm doubling the money I'm making every year because it's freelance and it's per job and they keep giving you more work. Yeah. Um, so I'm making great money at that point. Um, you know, some people blow their money on cocaine. Some people buy houses. I bought lots of toys. <laughs> now, w- were you enjoying it though, Andrew? Like, did you, were you like, this is what I'm going to do? Um, or was it just work, work? I know I, I enjoyed it. It was a challenge, but it never was, it was never the end. It. it was never what I was going. I, I always wanted more. I wanted to do comics. I wanted to write comics. Um, and that was my main focus. <clears throat> and I just couldn't get in. Yeah. Um, uh, so, okay. So Blam is, is doing decent, um, making, making good money, doing the video game stuff. I go to a comic shop and I see there's a new Planet of the Apes comic out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Planet of the Apes. They haven't been Planet of the Apes comics forever. Who's doing this? Is it Marvel? Is it DC? It's somebody called Mr. Comics. And I'm like, if Mr. Bleepin' Comics can get a license, why can't I? Right. <laughs> so um, I hired an entertainment lawyer, and we went after a whole bunch of licenses. Um, I almost got this was this was post Enterprise, post Nemesis. So I almost got Star Trek because it was in its rut. But a little company that was on the up and up called uh, IDW outbid me on the nice. license. Yeah. So, um, but I wound up, so I wound up with, uh, uh, Space 1999, Planet of the Apes, and, um, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. And the Planet of the Apes thing had happened basically because the Mr. Comics license had ended and they decided they didn't want to do comics again. Uh, they need oh, a terrible name for a company then. <laughs> no, no, I mean, Fox decided they didn't oh, want okay. to do comics <laughs> You tell me, Mr. Comics didn't want to do comics anymore. Okay, that's not their thing. I'm with you. <laughs> but um, what do you call it? But there was a miscommunication between my entertainment lawyer and the licensing people at Fox. So when we actually met and sat down together, even though everybody was like, "Yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this," we met and sat down together to hash out what was going to be in the contract. When I said comics. The 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 licensing head over there was like, oh no, we don't want to do comics again. That hmm. that was too much of a hassle and blah blah blah. And so I said, well, you know, when I said comics, I kind of mean like a prose book with paintings, sort of like I don't know if you guys remember that thing that Dark Horse did for Alien, Aliens Tribes, and the the licensing woman was like, Aliens Tribes was my favorite project I've ever worked on in licensing. You have your license. Isn't that something? Totally luck. Pulled that out of my butt. Got totally luck. Um, but I don't. I was not a prose writer. Right. I didn't. I. I never wanted to be a prose writer, and I was terrified at the thought of it. So, um, a, a couple of partners were supposed to write the book, and I was just basically hiring the artist and running the thing, and you know, paying for it all because I was bland. Um, and they dropped out on me, and I'm left held in the bag with all these paintings I've paid for. And no, and no book written. And so I'm like, well, what's the worst that could happen? Um, I'll write the book. And luckily it didn't suck. Um, Isn't that funny? Yeah, I, I, total luck again. You know, um, I, I, look at, I look at some of the stuff in that book and I'm embarrassed by it. 
but I also see, oh yeah, that's the way I write, isn't it? You know, that type of thing when you look at it, because when you look at something you wrote a long time ago, you don't really remember exactly the words that are in there. Just, and it's like, no, no, I can see myself. I see why I did that and da, da, da. And I see all those places I've grown since then. But well, uh, I'm going to hold on a second, Andrew, because I want to dig into that big time. So when, when you go back and read it um, and, and, and I and I I understand the, you know, by sheer luck, but it wasn't sheer luck. Um, the, you obviously had brought enough to it, whether it just be familiarity and literacy of of the genres and stuff that it, I can't have been just just luck. So now, again, as an adult, you look back at those times that were, you know, several years ago. What did you see in there? Um, first that you were like, yeah, like there was the beginnings of what I was going to become. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's what it comes down. It, it all comes down to this. I think it's like, I don't, I wouldn't just write a book. I would do a ton of research on what it means to write a book. And I would talk to experts who've written books and I would do everything possible to understand what this means before I tried to tackle it. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, it's like, so it really wasn't just sitting down and saying, oh, well, let's see what happens. It was me terrified about every word at the time. Because I was like, is this right? Is this right? I need to know if this is right. And I still do some things like that. Not at all as drastic as I was, but I'm, my second Planet Apes novel came out two years ago, um, Death of the Planet Apes. And that one, there's flashbacks to Taylor's time in, in World War II. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Korean War and World War II. Wow. And there's fighter combat in there. And... I did so much research on the Korean War and the the what they called the fight the fighter maneuvers that they did back then. So because I didn't want to use a modern term on accident, and and you know all this stuff that nobody maybe two people would have noticed if something was wrong in there. Right. But I had to make sure it was right. Um, so I see myself still doing that same. Got to make sure we're doing this right thing. Um, but I think it's it's. It's, it's a fear that drives that, but at the same time, it's also like, it's not a fear that's crippling. It's a fear that makes me move past it. Right. That makes, you know? Yeah. Well, and do you dig the process, Andrew? Do you love learning shit? Like, do you love just diving into something? Like, I know nothing about this. I'm about to write about it. So I, I'm going to learn everything. Is that something that you enjoy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've, I've done, I've done some things that, um, legal things, all legal things that I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, but Weird, weird situations where I, I had to sign an NDA about where you get to do this thing that people don't normally get to do. And it's the type of thing you can write about, but normal people don't get to do. Right. Um, and, and I've been really lucky with those situations. I know I keep saying luck. I don't know if it's luck. I feel like it's luck. But when you think what, what you said before, I guess it's not. luck. It's just. It's where you push your life, isn't it? Well, it is, Andrew. And, and, and now I'm going to undercut what I just said. I mean, part of it is luck, right? Part of it is just being in the right freaking place at the right freaking time and knowing the right freaking people. But, right. but it's also being prepared for when you get lucky, right? Because a lot of people get lucky and they're not ready for it and it just passes by. In other instances, you get lucky and you were ready for it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. But... But I mean, aside from those other things that I'm not really talking about by talking about and being very mysterious on accident, um, like I've gone shark cave, uh, shark cage diving. Wow. I've I've uh, skydived. I, I I've I've done a bunch of things because I'm like, you know what? How am I going to write about that if I never did? It? Yep. You know, um, I am not a gun guy in any way, shape, or form. But I have been to you know gun ranges to 
okay, so this is what it feels like to have this gun in your hand when you're shooting it. Because yeah. I need to know because I'm going to write about that. Um, so, yeah, I love, I love, to me, that's what life is. Understanding this thing enough to write it so that when somebody who does know a lot about it doesn't feel like you cheated them by fake. So, Andrew, I've had a couple writers on. Eric Grandstrom, uh, who's also from Free League, was on. Um, and, and I'm very fascinated talking to writers about kind of kind of the approach, right? So you, you've got the blank page and you've got the, hey, you need to write this. Um, and I'm very interested in kind of the attack vector. Is it uh, for you, is it concept, outline, chapters? Is it um, just, I'm just going to, you know, just barf on the page, everything I can think of, and then I'll fix it later and, and edit it. Um, can you give me a sense of uh, maybe how, how you ap- approach that naked page? I do this. I do this thing that I often say I, I, I procrastinated and I wasted time. And my, my, my girlfriend used to say that, no, that's literally the first part of your process. You can't do, you can't get to the actual typing until you've done that. And what it is, is that basically for months, this stuff is processing in my head. When I'm going somewhere, this is on my mind. Right. And I think about how that applies with this. And I, during this time, I'm creating something I call a bounce sheet because I bounce ideas off of it. Um, and what it is, is I'm out and I see somebody do something stupid in the street. And I'm like, okay, that was pretty stupid. Let me write that down just in case I can use that for something. And, and I, I have this list, the bounce sheet, of all these things that have happened. And I think about what am I going to write now? What am I supposed to write now? Okay, let's say Planet of the Apes or whatever, you know. Um, what things that are on this list that I have encountered or thought about or researched could apply to that? Interesting. And which ones, where can I connect the dots? Which one of these things all belong together and which ones belong on the next bounce sheet instead? Um, so once I've done all that, then I sit and basically just regurgitate on the page. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll sit there and I'll type super fast without looking up. And when I look up, finally, it's a mess with so many words underlined in red because it was typed wrong, you know? Um, sure. And then I'm like, all right, what was I trying to say here? Yeah. And I, the story gets built out of figuring out what that was. <laughs> that's where i was headed so that's interesting and i've heard of i've heard of other writers that are like that andrew where it's a matter of just getting it out there and then and then and then finding the story in in that and that sounds like uh, similar to what you're saying yeah yeah very very interesting if i don't if if i if i think of something if i don't write that down it's going to go away immediately there's no way to retain that in my head that has to be written down and I just got to spit it out on the page and get it there so that I can look at it and examine what that meant. Um, and it could be the dumbest thing in the world and it could mean nothing, but it, it being dumb could lead me in the right direction also. Um, so I, 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 when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in, um, uh, brainstorming sessions with people all the time, I'm like, Hey, shut up. Let me write this down. (laughs) (laughs) It will disappear. So I'd be interested, Andrew, as you, as you, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got this image of just this, this cloud of ideas that you're trying to sort through as you're driving the car, you know, and, and trying to just piece it together. And you've got this bounce sheet and uh, you're going through this, this pre-writing process. Is there, is there something that happens to you where you go, I'm ready? 
Like, is, is there some sort of indicator or bell that goes off that, that tells you now I need to get in front of my keyboard? Usually not. Usually it, it's all right. I got to write today. I'm going to write today. And I sit there and nothing comes out. Right. And then I do that for three days in a row. Then suddenly it just comes. But every now and then there is the yes, now's the time. But usually it's okay. You've thought about this a long time. Now you got to try and actually do it. You got to sit there and try and do it. And there's a couple of days where nothing, nothing good comes from that. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, suddenly I look at what I've written and I'm like, it looks like I've been writing for the past two weeks, but I wasn't, Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, but, but I, if I didn't do that other shit, Oh, are we allowed to curse here? Yep. Okay. If I didn't do that other shit, I never would have gotten to that point. So it's, it's, it's mandatory. So I, let's talk about the next phase then. So you've got the words out there. You're starting to to interpret your own words, trying to sh- starting to shape things. Um, when do you, w- what happens when you start to get a feeling like this? Now it's starting to come together. Now I'm seeing this and I'm not done with it yet, but, but now I'm at the top of the hill and, and we're going downhill from here. Um, do you have a sense of when that happens? Yes, but unfortunately half the time it's a false sense. Oh really? How so? because I think, I, oh, I've got this. This is so good that I've got this. And then I'll, I'll turn it in and I'll get feedback. And it's like the minute, the minute I'm reading the feedback, I'm like, well, he's absolutely right. Why did I think this was okay? And it's not, it's not just, it's not capitulating to someone else's. Right. Cause there's other times where I'm like, Hey, no dude, this. And they're like, Oh shit, you're right. That's totally right. Go do it. So it's not, it's, but it's like, if it's wrong, and someone tells me it's wrong, I literally can see, oh, wow, that is totally wrong. What was I thinking here? Why did I, why did I go in this direction? Yeah. Um, I always recover from that. It's not, it's not a dead end. Um, <clears throat> but I don't tend to give in drafts. Like, my first draft is probably what people would consider the third draft. Interesting. Um, but sometimes it winds up being the only draft and sometimes it winds up being the third of 19 drafts. I can't, I can't say, I can't say what makes the difference. I really can't. Um, It's, it's just about what's striking me in my head, I guess. Um, I have to be, I have to be in the right environment for these things too. Like, and when I say environment, I mean, I need to watch, I, 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 I make lists of, okay, these things are going to make me feel, about what I'm writing for. Um, so obviously Alien. It's all the Alien movies. Yep. But it's not just the Alien movies. It's also um, uh, Raised by Wolves, um, Blade Runner, uh, you know, things that, well, Durr, of course, that makes perfect sense, you know. Uh, but all that stuff, I, I have it on on a loop. Yeah. Nonstop. Um, and it helps put my mind into thinking that way. So it's it's... I guess I'm brainwashing myself. Well, or, or setting the scene, right? And and getting in the groove. I mean, I, I can imagine that would do a lot of several, you know, a, a lot of a lot of things that would be beneficial to get get in that mindset and to to translate that that you know that head cloud into into something that's actually structured. So, Andrew, can you think of? Because I'm very fascinated about um, your ability to identify feedback and be able to go, yeah, you're right. This is this is bad. And I don't know why I did this. I'm going to go with it. Can you think of a particular instance where uh, that happened, where you turn something in, you're feeling pretty good about it. Uh, it got blown up. You agreed a hundred percent. And what happened on the other side of it? Um, yeah, actually, I'll tell you destroyer of worlds. Get out of here. No kidding. Well, 100%. Um, and 
I thought it was only because of the topic, but it turns out when I went back to look at the stuff, I was like, wow, this is pretty bad. <laughs> and it's not that it's really bad. It's just it's nowhere near what Destroyer Worlds wound up being. Right. Um, and it, so a lot of people know this. The Destroyer Worlds story was originally different. Um, it, it, I had worked on it the year before COVID, and uh, the plot line was about a virus that was out of control in a colony and nobody knew who was infected and um the virus was spreading and it, i pretty much was i predicted covid in writing this and it, they're getting ready to send it to the printer and you know thomas is like so we need to talk about this <laughs> it's called bovid and <laughs> i did not know this story no, it's awful, and 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 it's like my first reaction is, oh no, science fiction should always challenge us and make us think about what's going on in the real world now, and I'm going to fight for this and make sure it comes out the way it does. And and Thomas says, and, and, and Thomas says, under other circumstances, you are correct. He said, however, you do not write a story about a man escaping a burning building the day after 9/11, and that humbled me right there. Yep. You can see the roots of what Destroyer is in there still, what it was in there still. You know, um, there are parts of it that got excised, which are going to be in new stuff. Nice. And that's how I, that's how I know, oh, this wasn't written very well in the first place, was it? Because I had to rewrite that stuff that I thought I was just going to be cutting and pasting into the new thing. Um, <clears throat> because I've, it's all learning. If you're not learning, you're dead. Yep. That, that's it. Um, and... This third cinematic that I just turned in um, that's being reviewed, it's, it was the easiest I've written. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and when I got the feedback, here, here's, here's something like, I, I try to make this clear to people. Like People on, on interviews are asking me, so I wanted to ask you about this mechanic, and why does this... Uh, don't ask me. I have no idea. I, I, I don't... What, even when I game mastered all the time, it was more about... It was more about interaction it was more about what makes good to we're building a story together yeah if i didn't I, I, you know what we're like six <laughs> yeah, but, all right yeah you got it man it's good you know that, that's what's more important to me about role playing it's not the, 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 the crunch numbers i also am smart enough to understand how awesome the stress mechanic and the agenda and all that stuff are that really has but i had nothing to do with making those that's right. all for you yeah um so what happens a lot is I will try to, <laughs> I'll try to explain in rules how I think something should happen here. And Thomas is just like face bombing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he he says me that he's like, so wait, what is it? Why is this here? And I'm like, here, Thomas, look, this is what I want to happen. And I don't want them to all die. So there has to be this sort of thing. And he's like, oh, and I watch him in the document in two seconds, write that in the clearest rule speak I've ever seen. Amazing. Yeah. So it's like, but this time I didn't get much pushback on that. Like Mm. it seemed like I'm starting to understand how to say these things right. Right. Um I think one of the reasons why I am being well received in gaming is because I don't come from gaming as an industry. Like, yes, it's been a part of my life forever. Right. I come I'm coming from this as a novelist. So I'm I'm trying to create the most awesome situations you can be in, the most compelling story you can be in. I'm not 
trying to create the you know the dungeon where you the next room has the beholder in it. You, you know, so it's 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 a different approach than a lot of people have to it. Um, I'm not the only one who does it this way at all, obviously, but I'm just saying it's it's it gives a it gives it a unique feel, and I think the formatting of the way the cinematics are is based completely on that, and, and which is like people either love the cinematics or, or don't like them at all because of the way they're formatted. Well, um, spoiler alert on a couple things, um, but first I have to make a confession. Okay, um, and my confession is. Um, I had started, started seeing some free league stuff, uh, picked up forbidden lands and was just enamored, absolutely enamored with it. Um, and alien was sticking out there and, and every time I would look at it, I'd go, you know what? I, I have no interest in that. I just, you know, I know the universe. I've seen the movies. Um, I don't know if I want to play there or anything. And I just, I dismissed it. I dismissed it cause I didn't feel like it was a world I wanted to play in. Okay. Um, and I don't remember what it was. And I think, it, I think what it was is I was putting together an order for Free League and I needed to get over a certain amount. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Screw it. Um, worst case scenario, I love the universe and stuff. I'll just read the book and so on and so forth, right? So I get the damn thing, Andrew. And it blows my mind. And it blows my mind for several different reasons. One was the cinematic, and it's funny you say some people don't like the cinematic. The cinematic is what sold me on the game. Like the concept of the cinematic was is so unique and so perfect for 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 Alien that I'm just like, holy shit! Like this is this is great. This is absolutely great. Then the 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 quality of the writing, but really the big deal for me. And I don't know how much of this is you and how much of this is Thomas, but how you structure your scenarios. And it, it, and I honestly could spend two hours talking about this, so I'm not going to do that to, our, to, to you or my listeners. But, you know, it, when people read scenarios by, in other games, it is, it's very linear. It says you do this, then this happens, then this happens, and this happens. And, and the way that your stuff is, Andrew, is this is a scene. Here's some key things. Some of them you might want to do. Some of them you don't want to do. I've marked a couple that you really need to do. And... Like, where the hell did that come from, Andrew? Is that something that Freely gave to you or something you brought in? Because it's it's an amazing way to run a game. Part of this is 100% Freely. And part of it is me, my interpretation of what they told me that they wanted to do. So it's hard to, it's hard to tell. Like, I don't think someone else writing a cinematic is going to come out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel the same way as the ones I write. Because, sure, yeah. yeah. So it's a format. It's a... So, they were like, we want to do this. And I was like, well, how about we do this? So I, it, it definitely generated with them. Okay. And, and it was, but what it became in the end is me building off of, okay, so how about we do this? And they saying, yeah, then you could do that. And da 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 So it, it, it but it definitely 100% came from Thomas in, in, in its rawest form. No, no doubt. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that I get yelled at because I overwrite everything. Yeah, I say that for is covering every base. Yeah, but I feel like covering every base is necessary when you have a cinematic like this where you can go still go off and do other things. Because if I don't, if you don't know what's behind that door, then the game master may not be someone who can think on their feet and be able to pull something out of their hat. So you can play, you can play Cherry of Gods fifteen times and never have more than maybe two. The, the, the mandatory events will always be the same, right. but everything else will be different each time. 
Yep, no question. You'll go to different rooms, totally different things will happen there. There are totally different events. And it makes it, it gives it extra value because as a game master, if I buy this thing and I know that if I pay it, play it 15 times with three, with 15 different groups, I'm going to have a different experience each time. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. yeah, Um, It's very cool. So it's, it's, um, I, I always tell people that your players are always, when we need to go to the East, the players are always going to say, well, why don't I just go West? Right. And I have seen games stop because a GM is, well, you can't go that way because I don't want you to go that way because it's not what it's written for. You can get them to go that way. Yep. <laughs> and one of the good ways to get them to go that way is to make them regret going the way that they wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> Which fits alien. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, instead of instead of the Chandler gangster kicking you in the door, you just have this Xenomorph show up. <laughs> He's West. <laughs> so it, it 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 allows for player agency. Yeah. But at the same time, it allows you to guide what's happening. And the 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 brilliant thing about the events, and this is from Thomas, because I wrote them wrong in some points originally. Not never that got printed, but um <clears throat> It's super important that the events can happen in any room, anywhere, wherever you are. Um, like, we went back and forth with, like, the events of Act 3 of Destroyer clearly have to happen in the military base. But it can it still can be anywhere in the military base. You, you know what I mean? Yep. So, it, it's, it's, this way, you know, they did go west. And okay, they went west. Well, there's this kick-ass event that I'm just going to throw at someone and get them to go back east instead because of it. You know, that's what I love about it, Andrew. Is that I, I always feel like I've got my tools in front of me, right? And I can let the players play. And and oh, I need a screwdriver now. Oh, it needs to be a Phillips head. And 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 you've you've laid it all out there for me. Uh, it's a it's a really exciting way to do things. It's it's interesting. You know what you're saying is what we usually hear, and I'm oh, very happy to hear it. Thank God. But then we also, also every now and then I hear people complain. It's actually, you know, it's a Reddit thing. People complaining about how they feel like it's a railroad. And I'm like, how is it a railroad? And then, and then complaining that there's too many events. And I'm like, you're not supposed to play all the events. It's like, is there a disconnect with understanding what's on the page there, man? You know? Um, And that frustrates me the most because I'm not, I'm not upset that somebody didn't get it. Okay. I am upset when somebody is, hasn't gotten it and then they are talking about how it's crap and someone who hasn't encountered it before yet online is like, wait, what are you talking about? Oh, is that game really like that? Oh, I'm not buying it then. Well, thanks, because that person is not going to find it on their own and because you didn't understand. Yeah. You know? there's, something, there's something really funny in regards to the Colonial Marine book that keeps coming up, and it, I keep face-palming about it every single time. Um, I don't know how many reviews I've seen where people complain that there are no creatures in there aside from xenomorphs and what happened to bug hunts and blah, 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 blah. And why are there no creatures? I can't believe that they left all that out there. Every scenario is on a different planet in the mission section and has its own fauna there in the scenario. We didn't make a creature section in the book. Yeah. There are like nine different new creature types in there. So it's like, it's frustrating. It's like, so do I engage? Do I go like, 
no, man, no, it's there. You should look. Or do you just say, you know what? Walk away. <laughs> Well, my advice, Andrew, and it's not worth shit, but don't don't engage. There's there's no there's no winning scenario in in you doing that, Um, especially for yourself and your own mental health. Um, And I have had more than a few creators say to me, the one way you're guaranteed that you're a a player, a GM or somebody is not going to do something is write it down. If it's in the rules, they're going to skip it and miss it and not look at it. Um, and huh. it sounds like there's been a little bit of that for you, right? You know, it, uh, there's there's no monsters. Well, I put nine of them in there, but okay, yeah, there's no monsters. I'm with you. <laughs> um, it's just, I, I, I have no problem with people not liking what I do. Yep. Like, uh, and, and my response on is always like, well, um, I try to explain to them, because they're usually like, I can't believe you did that. That's stupid. Okay, uh, well, this is why I did it. Um, I'm sorry it wasn't to your liking. Um, maybe the next thing we do will be. Okay, that's fine. But when I'm getting, when people are dissing my book because they misread a line or didn't find something that was in there, and then that leading to like people who are now claiming we're not going to buy the book because of that, <laughs> it just drives me crazy. I, I, I literally can't imagine, Andrew, how frustrating that must be. I mean, it... Um... You know, I'm just now getting out there with my little piddly bullshit podcast and YouTube channel, right? But but even the smallest comment, man, will dig into my brain. So, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated by the creator armor that that tends to like, like, how do you withstand it? Like, because I'm giving you the advice of like, don't engage, Andrew. I, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if I can go in there. Look, dumbass. Um, <laughs> page 42. Go look at page 42. You definitely don't want to go in there and say dumbass. No, I know. It's just, <laughs> but for major companies who happen to own every license, it's probably a bad idea. <laughs> but 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 that self control and and even not even the self control, but like I'm afraid that it would churn in my brain, and and I could have twenty people tell me, you know, Craig, I love this, and it was that one that just that drills and and repeat is on repeat in my head. Uh, does that happen to you at all? So or you purge the shit out of it. I have gotten uh, my armor was built by a fanatic. People either love or don't love what you do for a franchise. And before Alien, my shtick was Planet of the Apes. And one of the things, the, the reason why I was hired as a consultant in the first place was because Fox was having trouble understanding how their timeline could possibly work for Planet of the Apes. And I said, well, if you look in the third and the fifth movie, there's a, there, there, there's a repeated comment about how time is like a highway with an infinite number of lanes. You change your lane, you change your destiny. So these series, these movies are taking place on different lanes of the same highway. And when Cornelius and Zira leave, uh, when, when the world blows up at the end of the second movie, Cornelius and Zira accidentally create a new lane, which is escape and battle planes, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm describing this to Fox execs, and one of them is like, yeah, get this guy a check, and let's just get him working on this. <laughs> so, so I got in there because of that, right? But, but how did you literally get in the room, though, Andrew? Like, how did you even be, be, become the person who's having this conversation? By writing that Planet of the Apes novel. Interesting. Okay. Because I wrote that novel, and then Josh Izzo, who was the, the, the took over for Debbie Olshan, the woman who had said, "I love tribes, you got the license." Um, <clears throat> he took over for her, and then Fox was in the process. This is before they sold to Disney. They were in the process of creating hub websites, 
Um, hmm. They wanted to do this thing where you could go here and it's everything X-Files. There's a timeline for X-Files here. There's, you, there's it, on the timeline, there are links that lead to Amazon links to buy everything and da 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 They were doing this massive hub thing that was the plan. And Planet of the Apes was, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes was being made, uh, the third, uh, you know, the third of the new trilogy. Yep. And um, so they, 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 they wanted to have that ready and launched for that. So <clears throat> Josh had read my novel, which is bizarre because, first of all, it wasn't even under his uh, stewardship that it was created. Um, and second of all, even if it was, generally speaking, licensing directors are like, hey, get that intern to get me coffee. And when he's done, have him read this apes novel and tell me if we violated anything on the license. Yep. You know? um, but he read the book and he called me two weeks before Christmas in 2015 and said, so um, it's clear to us that you know this better than we do. Would you like to be a consultant? And that's how that happened. Interesting. Um, that led to doing a little bit of stuff on Alien and completely doing everything for Predator. Um, and then led to the Alien game. Um, I, I wrote an 800-page Bible for Predator in 2017. Um, it, uh, I'm sorry, late 2017, early 2018. Um, it, they, they, they thought that the new movie was going to be much bigger than it was. Yeah. And uh, the idea was that this new, this new Bible was going out to every new licensor. Don't, don't violate this. Um, and uh, I got to do that when I left, when I finally walked away from Rockstar. Uh, to, wow. I decided I'm going to do my own. I'm going to, I'm going to be a writer. And then, yeah. and I, I called, uh, I called the guy who was then the third guy who was, uh, over at, um, Fox after his other left. Um, and I, I said to him, uh, do we want to do, do you have any more? What do you want? Do you have, like X-Files die hard? Do you need Bible for anything? And they're like, well, I really need, you know, need someone who knows predator. And I'm like, I'm unemployed. I like Predator a lot, but I have definitely not read everything there is from Predator at that point. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I know someone, I know me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, there's no question that I am the expert on Predator now, but I certainly was just probably just a really good fan of Predator before. Um, that's, that's amazing, Andrew. That's amazing. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break because I really want to dive into this idea of this franchise, franchise canon Bible and, and being the steward of that. So let's take a break. When we get back from that break, we're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, being in charge of Planet of the Apes, Alien, Predator, um, and what's kind of the reality of what that is. We'll be right back. There are so many online retailers. It can be hard to find one that is trustworthy, has great prices, along with some reliable customer service. On the third floor, we love ordering our gaming goodies from Gadzooks Gaming. Their selection of terrain, miniatures, dice, custom decor, and conversion bits are curated for gamers by gamers. You'll find they have what you need and what you didn't know you needed to take your gaming fun to the next level. If you mention Third Floor Wars in the cart notes of your order, you'll also get a free gift. And you'll help support the podcast. Check out gadzooksgaming.com and mention Third Floor Wars on checkout to get that free gift. 
So, Andrew, obviously, um, well, not obviously, but really where I started um, to connect with you was, was through Alien, right? Um, through, through the tabletop gaming stuff. And then I worked backwards and just realized just, you know, where, uh, like how many places your fingerprints were. And I was, and we started talking about before the break a little bit, and I want to dive into a little bit more. I I don't know if you existed. And when I say you, I mean the idea of somebody who is a steward of of the canon Bible. Um, So what was the the first time that someone said, this is yours, you are the steward and you are in charge of this? Was it Planet of the Apes or was it Predator? Okay, that's, this is, this is actually a number one misconception. Uh, no one ever puts anyone in charge with that. That doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't. And everybody thinks that it's not that at all. I don't dictate anything. It's a, it's a the title is called consultant. Okay. And, and and the reason for that is is that they 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 ask us they ask you to put something together, and then you present it to them, and they decide yes or no on it. Um, right. I have never been told no. Um, I can only assume that other people have. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, but the reason why I've never been told no is because I learned the language there. Um, so if I tell them, if I tell them that this Predator comic is not a Predator comic, but it's an AVP comic, um, so we can't include it in the Predator Bible, they're going to be like, well, that makes no sense. It says Predator on it. And then I'm going to remind them that they want AVP to be separate from Predator. So why in the world was an alien in that Predator comic in the first place? Right. So, you know, and so I, I helped them to achieve what they wanted is what it comes down to. Um, Ridley Scott doesn't call me and (laughs) and say, so I was thinking about doing this with the Liam off. What do you think? That doesn't happen. (laughs) Right. Right. In a little bit of surreal that I just said that didn't happen. I can tell you a situation where something like that did happen. Um, Let's hear it. Uh, 2018 Thanksgiving. It's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so it's on a weekend. You get a phone call from Executive Fox. I'm like, okay, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, so I have this question for you. Do you think that the Predator self-destruct is nuclear? And I'm like, well, really? They don't really address it in any canon source, but it kind of looks like a mushroom cloud, right? And he's like, yeah, it does. And I'm like, so it's kind of cool if it's nuclear, like if it's like a small contained nuclear blast, right? But it like it only affects a very small area. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, let's do that. And he's like, okay, good. And, and I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Isn't that something? So, so Andrew, then, so now that, so we're breaking the misconception here. Is is it a is it a matter of you? pick up and organize. So someone says, you know, we need to compile this, right? We need to put this together and, and, and put some walls on it and and buckets and put things in buckets. And then you just go in and you consume everything that's out there and then organize it. Or I'm trying to understand this. So I organize it and I, I, I have to make it make sense. So like they, 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 in a perfect world, they don't want anything to be considered like, they have no problem with these being because they're not canon, but they don't want something to be considered worthless. It's not no point in, in anyone buying it because it's merchandise, right? right? Yep. So how can we make this thing still have a worth to the franchise and not be a total wash because it's been violated by whatever afterwards? Um, a perfect example of this happening before I came on board, long before I came on board, is Hicks 
and Newt being turned into Wilkes and Billy after Alien 3 came out. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. So the, 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 in the comics, they had already done all this stuff, and then those two characters were killed, spoiler alert, in Alien 3 in 1990-whatever, 93, 91, 93, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert for 93. Um, so they dark so Dark Horse backpedaled and changed the names of the character. And and so that's that's the type of thing that I do over there and I we're built that into the role playing game. A lot of people don't like Alien Three. I love Alien Three. Okay. But I recognize that other people don't like it. Um those people that don't like it tend to think that William Gibson's Alien Three is the best thing ever. I like Alien Gibson's uh, Alien Gibson. I love William Gibson's Alien Three. I don't think it's the best thing ever though. Okay. Right. So in the role-playing game, you'll see that there was an anchor point station that in, in 2179 blew up under mysterious circumstances. And it's rumored that a Marine named Hicks was there. Right. Well, if you're the guy who loves Gibson, then yeah, I guess that's what happened. But if you're the person who sticks with the real canon, then no, somebody was confused about the Marine who was on that station. Nice. Yep. Um, so it, it, it's like, how can we make this make sense? And and the I, <laughs> the thing I was like, oh God, please no. When I started working there, was the freaking Neil Bloomkamp Alien Five. Find a way that this can fit without violating Alien Three or Four. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that went away, so that, that wasn't a problem. <laughs> Um, well, now, how about like Prometheus and, and, and those movies? Do, do those fold into all of this as well? I, they do now. They didn't. I mean, well, Prometheus didn't at first. Uh, Prometheus was a strange fish originally. They, they, they wanted it to build it as if it was its own thing. And when it didn't catch on, it got slumped into the alien. Which Interesting. Was, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like, that's why, that's why. Uh, Scott would say things like um, it, it has the same DNA right? but not say that it was uh, in the same universe. It was very strange things. Yeah. When you look at Predator, when you look at Alien and, 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 being, and, and being involved at both Planet of the Apes in, in similar ways with all three, which one, which one do you consider your most complete work of the three or which one did you enjoy the most? Oh, Alien for sure. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, no, I, I, I love Planet of the Apes. And what's great about that Planet of the Apes stuff that I did, the whole idea from it came from my childhood. Um, watching the ABC movie of the week with Planet of the Apes movies. And then there was clearly canon in discre- just, uh, uh, discrepancies between each film. And I just assumed in my head as a child that there must have been another movie that took place in between that did this, this, and this. <laughs> that, those became the plots of my two Planet of the Apes novels. Oh, that's so, cool. But... But Alien, this is, this is where I was going before, where I went off track. Um, I, wound up, I wound up pissing off a bunch of fans with my figuring out the timeline for Planet of the Apes. Because there were fans that are like, oh my god, this makes sense, this is amazing, look what you've done. And there were others like, how dare you touch our beloved franchise, who the hell are you? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the guy that Fox hired to make a timeline. That's who I am. You know, that's, that's about it. It could have been you, but you didn't go that career route, and that's just how this happened. Um, yep. But I had, I had, I had somebody who um, was trying to wreck my life. Um, I, I had a fan who um, was photoshopping pictures of the puppet from Puppet Master with the knife 
taking my photo and photoshopping in that puppet with the knife at my neck. And um, he had someone redraw the face on a character being tortured by an by the apes in one of the comics. He would draw my face on that. And he sent letters to my job at Lionforge telling them how what a horrible uh, pack I am and that they should never hire me and yada, yada, yada. So it got that's how I learned to get that armor we were talking about yeah. before. Um, but with Alien, I thought about all that. I thought about, yeah, clearly there's something wrong with that person, right? We're not, there's no question of that, okay? Right, yeah. Nothing yeah, yeah, justifies yeah. that behavior, okay? Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, so what did I do that may have inadvertently caused someone on that edge to step off? Okay. Because no one, nothing we do is always the other guy's fault. Okay. Correct. Yep. So I'm like, so what did I do wrong? And I figured out what it was. It was the absolutes of what I was creating with that time. And this barroom cannon thing has solved that. Because people who hate one thing but love the other still love that alien role playing game because it's designed the way I wrote it was specifically so you take what you love and use that and you can ignore the other part. Yep. So I'm happiest with my work on Alien and I feel like it's been the most fulfilling and the fan base has been fantastic. Of course, there's every now and then there's a guy who goes off the deep end about something you did, but that's always going to be that way. Never as bad as it was with that ape thing. And, and, and this is the way to make everybody happy. No, nobody, nobody reads that book and is mad. Even pe- people said, people, my, my favorite compliment I've gotten on those books. Um, the alien RPG has redeemed the alien prequels. Sure. <laughs> I was like, I think they're great anyway, the prequels. But, yep. But for someone who hates the prequels to still like what I did in this, even though I drew heavily upon prequel stuff, that means I did it right. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it, um, you know, it, it builds off that modular nature. And I love that idea, Andrew, that, you know, you allow the player and the GM to bring their alien in and 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 find a home. Um, and, and you've you've created things in such a way that that that's possible. That's a big deal. Yeah. And it, I, I, if I hadn't had what happened to me with Final Apes happened, then we wouldn't have gotten here. So everything, yeah. everything teaches you for the next thing. So um, as we wrap up, talk about Alien, because I want to also talk about um, the new game. But um, the last thing I was, I'm kind of curious about is when did the first handshake happen? Um, I, I'm trying to get a sense of there's a day where Free League doesn't have Alien. You are not involved at all. And then I'm trying to figure out how we get to Andrew and Free League are making Alien. So I was unemployed, except for doing random freelance work after I left Rockstar. I said this before with the, I got the Predator thing. Predator was wrapping up, and I talked to, I talked to uh, Fox, and I was like, um, is there anything else I can do, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, but we love working with you. So if you can find someone who wants to pick up any kind of publishing license um, that deals with one of our properties that isn't already taken. Um, and we, we'll, we'll tell them, yeah, you, you should use Drew to do it and blah, 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 blah. We can get you set up in there if you can find a company to make a deal. So I was pushing the alien role-playing game around for a while there, hmm. um, trying to find a company to pick it up. And everywhere, they stall you for months, and then they tell you, you know, I just don't see it being successful. It's a one note thing. And that's, that's what, I, I was that guy too. Yep. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I, everyone was that guy. 
yeah. it was driving me crazy. Um, <clears throat> ironically, the company that I wound up work, going to work with later on, Lionforge, was one of those companies that didn't think it was going to go anywhere. Um, and I'm good friends with Joe LaFave, um from Genuine Entertainment. He makes a lot of these licensing deals happen in Hollywood um, for games uh, and comics. He's, he's very passionate about games and comics. And I called Joe and I was like, Joe, I can't do this anymore. Please find somebody who wants to do this thing so that we can make a beautiful game. <laughs> and I, the face had aligned because Joe had just started a relationship with Free League. And he had said to Free League, I would really like to see a short list of your wishes for licenses. And Alien was number one on that list. Unbelievable. So it the stars aligned, and that's how it happened. It, um, I don't know. I, I've already said it, Andrew. I, I, I can't come up with a combination of mechanics and, and writing and approach that would make me love the game. I, I, I think if we change any of those things, right, if, if it's not Free League, if it's not Tom's, uh, you know, mechanics, if it's not you writing it, I don't know if I would have uh, love it the way I do. Um, so God bless you all <laughs> for doing it. It's, it's good stuff, dude. It's really good stuff. And I'm not the only one that thinks that, um, as we can tell by the continuing to get uh, any any awards as well as nominations. Um, and uh, I guess the last thing about that before we move on to uh, Carbon Gray is, um you know, your first time making a role-playing game and you start winning ennies. What, what was that like? A lot of tears, honestly. Yeah. I'll be completely honest. I'm 49 years old and my first award is on a, something, a role-playing game when that was never where I was intending to go. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's a weird situation because I, I, <laughs> I don't know if this is terrible or not, but my, my father, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I remember this day. I'll never forget it. And I, I brought it up to him after I won the award. Uh, he walks into my, my room and he opens up my role-playing game cabinet and says, I'm going to throw all this shit out. This shit will never get you anywhere. <laughs> and all I can think of as we were winning the war was that. <laughs> and That's great. But the, this is a messed up thing. Like, nobody should do that, right? Nobody should do that to their kid, sure, whatever. But people are human. People do stupid things. Yep. Okay? They think, I'm going to teach him less. I want him to have a better life than the stupid game is going to get him. That's what's going through his head. He's not trying right. to be evil. Right. Okay? But what it comes down to, too, and this is something I struggle with, I think about all those moments I've had in my life. Um, all the times I got beat up after school for being a nerd. And not so, that doesn't happen anymore, I guess, now in the real world because nerds are cool. But back then, <laughs> we weren't so cool in the 80s. Yeah. So. All that stuff. And I wonder, is that why I kept going back to do this? Because I was like, no, I'm going to show you. Is that it? Did it give me the drive? It's terrible to think that you owe all this horrible, the, the, this success to this horribleness. But how does the fake you work with that? You know, it, it's, it makes you think. That's a big question, Andrew. That's a really big question. And it, um, yeah. And I, I don't know the answer to it, um, but I can tell you, I struggle with it too. Um, because, uh, spoiler alert, I wasn't the most popular kid at school. Um, and you know, I think about how that shaped me, right. And what that does in, and you know, like one, one quality that I pride in myself is I, I'm a self learner, right? So, uh, somewhat similar to you, not nearly as, as successful at it as you are, but I, I see somebody do something 
And I go, that's interesting. I think I can do that. And I want to find out. Mm -hmm. And then I just dive in. I just dive in. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. Um, The reason I did this podcast is because I started hearing other people do podcasts. And I'm like, okay, like there's stuff I like, there's stuff I don't like. I think I can do that. Um, And then the same thing with, you know, broadcasting RPGs and actual plays and stuff. It's been been the same process. Um, But I I think about it too, Andrew, like where does, where does this trace backwards, right? Where, where is the seed of that? Um, And, and what were the bumpers along the way uh, that, that changed that trajectory? Um, Those are big questions, my friend. (laughs) We need to have some psychiatrists on. You and I, I, we're going to have a three-way call with my therapist, and we'll start working through this together. (laughs) That's great. I mean, I I, I wonder if, uh, honestly, I wonder if doing the therapy thing like that on a podcast would be useful for people. It's funny you say that. Um, I'm a I'm a big proponent of therapy. Um, uh, uh, one of the greatest things that my wife has given me is as an appreciation, a love of it. And um, yeah, I do I do that too. You know what? There's a there's an interesting podcast, um, and it doesn't hold up very long. But uh, the first couple episodes are really good. And there's a, a a woman who is a and I can't think of the name of the of the podcast, but I'll have it in the show notes. There's a woman who is a passionate lover of Batman knows everything about Batman, read everything, seen everything and everything. And she's got a friend who's a psychologist. Okay. And together they like, they'll say, okay, this episode of the animated series, this, you know, this run in this comic and the psychiatrist breaks down Batman and breaks down the villains at a clinical level. It's very fascinating. Unfortunately, I lost a little steam, but um, it's somewhat tangential to what you said. Yeah, definitely, definitely want to, Get a link to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll track it down for you. And for those listeners, I'll put it in the uh, show notes. Oh. All right. So uh, this is another confession time. This time it's a confession to my listeners. Um, Andrew and I danced around and uh, had a little trouble getting things scheduled. We had a little bit of mix up tonight getting things. But uh, Andrew is just a champ and um, really bent over backwards to make sure we had this recording. So before we started, before I hit the record button, he and I were just kind of talking a little pre-show discussion. And um, he mentioned, you know, I've got a Kickstarter going right now. And, you know, immediately I'm like, well, you know, how unprepared am I <laughs> as a guy who's going to interview you? And I said, really? I said, well, what is it? And, and he, he told me the name, Carbon Grain. I'm like, God, that sounds really freaking familiar. Um, he goes, and Andrew says, I'd like to talk about it. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And, you know, I get it on, I bring up Kickstarter. Um, and listeners already know the end of the story because they know about me and Kickstarters. Um, I look at it and I'm like, oh, shit, I've been looking at this game. Like, I'm very fascinated. It's got the West End emblem on it. The artwork looks incredible. Um, the the pitch at the very beginning is neat. And it's been kind of on my, you know, as we get towards the end of the days, I might I might break, I might break. And Andrew's like, that's mine. And I'm like, oh, backed, <laughs> immediate, done, I'm there. So let's talk about Carbon Gray. Um, and, and the way I like to talk about this stuff, Andrew, is talk about the day before it doesn't exist. Can you give me an idea of where the initial uh, ideas come from or where this starts to take form? Carbon Gray is, so Carbon Gray was a comic book um, from Image um, that did, it did very well and it's had uh, successful Kickstarters for itself as, as a comic. Um, we had plans, Magnetic, okay, I'm all over the place. Let me reboot. <clears throat> Magnetic Press Play is a new company formed by Magnetic Press. Obviously, they had to play to make it for games. Magnetic um, had decided they wanted to do gaming. 
their parent company, I had actually secured the license for the West End game stuff um, with several years ago when I was working for them for Lionforge. And they were like, well, what are we going to do with this? And there's something that will be announced soon that I can't announce. Mm-hmm. This was the thing we were going to launch this with. And that thing had to get pushed back. And it's better that it did because more time. And we're like, what do we do to fill this spot? And um, this Carbon Gray comic, Mike Kennedy, the publisher at, at um, Magnetic, um, helped Quang Neugen, who created this, he helped him uh, develop it pretty much. And so we started talking to him and looking at the comic, and the, the world looked really crazy to me. Um, I'm very much into World War I. Um, we don't see a lot of World War One stuff. We're seeing more nowadays, but for years yeah. it's always World War Two, World War Two, World War Two. You know, um, it's an interesting take. That is one of the, that's one of the things that perked me up about the Wonder Woman movie in the first place. Um, the whole idea of this this trench warfare is so awful. What what we used to go through on in these battlefields and everything, and it's just I mean, no no war is good, but it's a, it's a unique look and a unique feel. And this comic has this altered this this reality bending alternate universe of diesel punk world war one is the best way to describe it okay got it and <clears throat> it was just like okay i don't i don't know how many times i've seen anything like this why don't we develop this into a game um and it just spiraled from there because we had all this art such beautiful art and stuff. gorgeous um so it's like okay we can do this faster because we don't have to wait for art to come in right and we still we do we we still brought in artists to do additional stuff and the creator themselves the creator himself did extra art for the book too but we had this huge library of stuff we could draw from and um we were able to get the miniatures going right away because these things were designed already so it just seemed like we could we could have we can have a kickstarter for this thing and we could have it come out yeah you know, towards the end of the summer and we might even be able to get it in people's hands um, in December. You know, that's that's the plan. I don't know because of what's going on with the shipping crates and everything now. Yeah. It's going to happen. But that was the plan. It's like, hey, why don't we just try to get this in and launch the company with this thing? And it's, it's um, when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, I don't know. But the art was so beautiful. And the more I thought about the setting, the more I realized there's so much that can be done with this. Because when you, when you when you when you're gonna do a role playing game based on a comic, right? The first thing that could be a real big problem is, well, did they do it all in the comic already? Right. You know, um, and no, there's so much more that can be done in this. The comic is a great story for what it is, but you're not those people. You could very easily be any of these millions of other people that are stuck in this conflict. Yeah. And and uh, there's just it's war and it's espionage and it's court intrigue. Um, and it's just, it's got a lot of, a lot of different as, uh, aspects to it. And the, using the West End game system for it is just, it, it, that system, it's interesting to me when I think about it, because <clears throat> people always, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, new game systems are do so much that those old systems didn't do and everything. But when you look at the West End game system, the prototype for a lot of these brand new uh, out of nowhere systems comes from that 
because it was simplifying things back then. Like when we there, there's a reason, Andrew, we talked at the beginning about how Star Wars was brought up over and over and over again by yeah. by creators. I mean, it was a it was a landmark system that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And we still see the results of it, to your point. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And what I wanted to do was start with the classic system itself, not the second edition, not any of the other editions that have come over out over the years. OK, but just start with the, uh, the raw Star Wars edition of the rules, obviously not Star Wars at all anymore. Uh, right. And start with that and build a modern variant out of that. And that became the magnetic variant. Um, and, and so this it's the, the, the D six MV is what the, the rules are for this. Okay. And very cool. It, we didn't reinvent the wheel. We put a new tire on it. It's the best way I could describe it. Um, so, so go ahead. It, it, as you're working on this, Andrew, there's, you know, there's a long period of time where it's in studio, quote unquote, right? Yeah. Where, you know, it's it's you banging out stuff. It's you working with other people and stuff. And then there's the point where you, 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 you put it out there a little bit. There, you, you let people use this, play it, and experience it that weren't part of creating it. Um, what was that like with this game? And, and what, what came back when you did that? Um, we... I don't know if this really answers the question the way you wanted to, but it's like, I've been really, we've had no complaints. That's the weird thing. Okay. That is weird. It's like, we kept the right parts. You know, the core of this is definitely the rule system that people have played before. No, but what we've done is add some new things to that, which don't violate anything that's there. They're new rules that work with it to cover new types of things that are, inherent in modern games. So um, uh, we created this system called Quirks and Obligations. Um, mm. uh, um, and then you get a, you, you take, you, for every quirk you take, you get a remarkable ability. So a quirk is a weird thing that you might do, like maybe you're a kleptomaniac, okay? So you have to role play that in the game. Um, and if you role play that in the game, you're remarkable, you get to use a remarkable ability, um, which was a counterbalance. So the little, yeah. little things like that, which make the game a completely different experience, but it's so totally the core of D6. Um, because part of the Carbon Gray story is that reality is, is um, collapsing in on itself. Um, there's things like, there's totally, um, and, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of the word. Anachronistic? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, anachronistic uh, weapons and whatnot that are just, you're like, why? Wait, this is World War One. Why has that guy got a laser sight on his gun? Um, it, because things are folding in on time and things like that. So we wanted to use like the wild die to represent the fact that reality is bending in on itself. So there, the situation I use, and this is not an actual situation in the game, but it, it, it gets it across. Um, you could be in a plane that's stalled and the engines are dead and it's crashing and you're going down and you just can't get that thing restarted. So you're like, all right, I'm going to roll the wild die. I'm going to use it. And you roll the wild die. And maybe you succeed and those engines start up again. Or maybe you fail spectacularly with that roll and the plane becomes a bicycle. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Epic moment created. That's awesome. So there's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff like that that we worked in. And we're making this with the, with the eye towards a line of games. Magnetic, the magnetic variant is not a one-off thing. This Carbon nice. Gray is the first game in a series of games that are going to have this stuff. We have lots of cool stuff coming. I say we. I'm actually, I'm a freelancer. 
Um, I'm just very much invested in what magnetic is. <laughs> it sounds like it, Andrew. It sounds like it. your enthusiasm is, uh, it, it makes it even uh, uh, more exciting. Um, and it, it, I love the fact that you have a love and a respect for where it came from. And but also understanding that we have come a long way in game design. Right. Um, we talk about uh, we can wax and w- about the old West End system, but um, because of the West End system, we've advanced. And it sounds like that you're you're able to fold some of the modern design into it. Yeah, no, it, it, I've learned I've learned a lot um, working for Free League and Nightfall on Terminator, which we actually never even talked about. I just realized that. Um, working on these things about how about modern gaming, because like I, I think I said, I haven't played in a long time yeah. stepped away from it. And I saw these cool things that have happened now. And I thought, well, is there a way to use something classic and bring this new stuff into it? And I, I think we've really succeeded with it. Um, and it's, it's designed in a way that the, the magnetic variant can be altered just slightly enough for the flavor of whatever genre it's going to be used in. And we have planted that's several, exciting. several different genres. So, Oh, that's exciting, man. That's super exciting. And, and of course, uh, listeners, you know that, uh, you know, I've backed it, obviously. And nobody, like I said, nobody's surprised about that. And obviously when I get, when I get the uh, PDS, we'll go through them together on the, on the Twitch stream. And when we get the game, uh, we'll talk, we'll do a first initial review of it. And uh, there's a good chance that we'll do some live plays of it as well. Um, and just talking to you, Andrew, gets me even more excited, especially considering two hours ago, I knew nothing about it. Um, so not nothing, that's not true. Um, but I was, I was on, I was, I was walking the rails and you pushed me real hard <laughs> and I jumped right to the pool. So, um, uh, Andrew, obviously a lot of what we've talked about, I'm going to have linked in the show notes. Um, but in general, if somebody wants to get more Andrew, where can they go? Um, well, I mean, if they want to talk to me, Facebook is the way to go. Um, Andrew E. Casca is my personal Facebook account. I'm trying to get the whole author thing up and running. I have it, but I just haven't been able to make it work yet. Everybody's like offended. Like, why should I go there? Can I be your friend? So, so you can talk to me there. You talk to me in the free league. If you want to talk to me about alien, go to the free league, um, alien group on alien RPG group on Facebook. I'm in there all the time answering questions about the game. Um, if you want to read stuff that I'm, you know, writing or look at some of the stuff that uh, my process in regards to working on alien and the canon stuff and everything like that, I have a blog called uh, rogue reviewer.wordpress.com. Uh, I can give you guys, I can give you the link so you can have it in the thing. Yep, I'll have that in the notes. Um, there's a, there's a, <laughs> it's funny. It's like you go to all my, you go to all my blog entries and it's like this thing was viewed a few thousand times. This thing was viewed a few hundred times. And then you go to this one blog entry that I have, which was defining canon in the alien universe. And it's like 50 billion views. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Everyone goes to that one. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, might as well send more people to it. That sounds great. That sounds great. Well, Andrew, like I said, um, and I said it before we started recording, I can't thank you enough for your patience and um, kind of working the schedules to make this happen. I had very high hopes about talking to you and and they were greatly exceeded. So um, thanks again for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, for those of you that listened to this whole thing, like this is the end and you stayed the whole time. I appreciate you too. Take care. Hey, did you hear that? You leveled up. You finished another episode of Tabletop Talk from Third Floor Wars. If you want more from the third floor, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Head on over to our YouTube channel. It is packed with painting tutorials, gaming tips, battle reports, and role-playing actual plays. Did you enjoy this episode? 
why don't you send a link to one of your friends so they can enjoy it too? Last but not least, write us a review on your podcatcher of choice. This helps us find listeners almost as cool as you. Same universe. It was very strange things. Um, yep. This is a reminder. Computer, shut up. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, so when you look. That was perfect. 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 Cool. Yeah, this is fun. This is a good format. I'm glad, Andrew. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> all right. All right. I'll bring us back. You're still here? Look, uh, the podcast is over. And you sat through all of the breaks and bloopers? Well, I mean, if you're here, might as well run over to patreon.com and become a supporter. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast too while you're at it. On whatever platform you're listening to. I do appreciate you sticking around. Take care.